Welcome to another episode of the Worklife Podcast. To find out more about the Worklife Hub and to listen to other episodes, please go to www.worklifehub.com. Welcome to another episode of the Worklife Hub Podcast. I am your host, Agnes Uheretsky. If this is the first time that you are tuning in, let me just say a few words about this podcast. We speak to authors, researchers, business thought leaders, for them to share their knowledge and insight on work-life balance, leadership, culture change and organizational development. In our work at the Worklife Hub, we help companies reform their workplace to create a culture that embraces diversity and work-life balance. We are passionate about building vibrant and engaging workplaces that are great for employees and customers. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can do this via Twitter at WorkLifeHub, on our LinkedIn page or on our website. We're always happy to hear how you like the podcast or any other ideas that you would like to share with us. And now, on with the show. And today, my guest is Richard Burton, who is Head of Innovation Projects at EDF Energy. Good morning, Richard. Good morning. So Richard um, has over 20 years of experience in strategy, marketing, insights, um, also HR and business transformation in the energy and the financial services industries. Um, Richard joined the EDF group in 2004 and worked for EDF both in the UK and in France. And he's got experience in design and testing new business models. And also what his current role entails is the integration of new technologies to create a competitive advantage for EDF uh, via the Blue Lab. And we're going to be discussing that. So before we go into more detail uh, in your role and and how you see um, this evolving, may I ask you, Richard, to tell listeners a little bit about yourself and, and your career and, and your current role at EDF? My current role at EDF Energy is uh, around innovation of new technologies, um, new business models, ways of uh, commercializing um, developments in the energy space. Um, for example, to get more value from investment in renewable technology um, and to allow customers to have greater control over their um, spend on energy and their usage of energy. Um, and previously, I have worked in financial services. And then originally, um, after graduating, I went into advertising and worked in advertising agencies, set up a couple of uh, smaller agencies, one in Amsterdam, one in London. Um, and the thread throughout my career is really um, strategy and uh, implementation of uh, new things, new companies, new products, new markets, new segments, new uh, developments and innovations is my specialism. Hearing about your, and also having read about your career, um, and also that you've been working both for small organizations and startups, but also for blue chip companies, especially with your current role in EDF Energy, which is the energy sector is, is very highly regulated and, and very, very strict. Um, how do you find this um, in your current role? Um, I remember last time we spoke, you you. You told me a little bit about some of these great startups that have also been 
um, incorporated into Blue Lab and, and really trying to stretch out the possibilities within the energy sector. So would you mind uh, telling listeners a little bit about Blue Lab and, and how this works in terms of innovation within the energy sector? Sure. So Blue Lab is the innovation team in the UK. Um, the focus of Blue Lab is to improve um, the experience of customers um, and to allow customers to have access to new technologies and new innovations. Um, now, within a large company such as EDF, uh, we've realized that very often the best ideas come from not necessarily within the company, but outside. And so we crowdsource ideas from our partners, from our employees, but also from, from outside, from startup companies. Um, one of the projects I have been taking forward was to look at how to partner with larger other companies. And so I've um, identified a, a possible partnership with uh, Cisco and uh, University College London, uh, where we have entered into a partnership called Idea London, uh, where we have an office space in uh, central London in Clerkenwell, which is a, a hub for uh, startups within London. So we have entered into a partnership where the, the three uh, large parties attract uh, startups from across the world and invite them to work with us and to be housed in that space. We have a number of um, initiatives that have been taken forward. For example, one which is called House. Uh, uses the um, the data from energy consumption uh, for vulnerable and elderly customers, so that um, their families and concerned uh, relatives can monitor how an elderly person is uh, is getting on with their lives, whether there's any change, and if there's a if suddenly they don't switch on the kettle and they don't seem to be having any breakfast one day, then somebody will get an alert to. Uh, advise them that something has changed and maybe it would be a good idea to call in on that elderly person. But there are many other examples of uh, startups that we are working with in, in uh, different areas to access um, new values. This is a, such a great example and something that I have certainly never thought of, that you know this could be something where the data generated by the use of electricity, the use of energy could be transferred into something that ordinary people could be benefiting from in their daily lives. So really appreciate you sharing this, um, this example with the listeners. Now, I wanted to also ask you a little bit about um, the human uh, dimension of innovation. You mentioned that you cooperate with Cisco, University College London, and trying to attract um, startups and, and young innovators also from the outside. And how is the cooperation between um, EDF employees and these outside contingent uh, innovators? Is, is this something that has been set up based on a specific policy? Does this happen organically? Do sometimes maybe internal colleagues come up and say, I, I like that, I would like to maybe access some training to, to get into that. How do you marry these two things of continuing business as usual on the inside, let's say, but also a lot of creative energy on the outside? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, as you mentioned earlier, uh, there's a lot of uh, regulation in the energy industry. Uh, the, the industry is under a lot of pressure. It's a, it's a highly politically sensitive any, uh, industry, and equally it's one which um, has relatively low margins. And so we, subject to regulatory, financial, 
pressure as well as um, very fast change in our industry. Um, so I think um, in my experience, have, having worked in a number of different industries, um, it's that pressure really that creates um, a high degree of creativity and leads to a lot of innovation um, because we're needing to achieve objectives which um, are not easy. As you, you're probably aware, or listeners will be aware, uh, there's a lot of change in the energy industry, including downsizing of companies. And uh, So the triggers are partly that we want to improve financial performance uh, and also improve the performance of our teams. EDF Group has 160,000 employees. So that's uh, a very large resource and uh, one that we want to, uh, uh, that we're investing a lot of money in and we want to improve our return on that investment. Um, but equally, EDF is a very um, caring company as an employer and it wants to ensure that employees have a good experience, positive experience at work. And um, so it's really the, um, the marriage of those two aspects that have created um, the work that we have done around uh, employee um, engagement and uh, innovation. Uh, and uh, I, I had been working in, um, in Paris across the group internationally until um, a couple of years ago. One of the projects I managed was, uh, um, was called New Ways of Working. It's a program of different activities looking at everything from uh, highlighting areas where we have a problem with uh, absenteeism at a high rate or presenteeism, which is the, the opposite, where people should be taking time off work, should be taking holidays, should be taking sickness, absence. Uh, but for various reasons, they don't feel able to, or they don't anyway. Um, so we're looking at how to solve those issues. And equally, EDF has um, thousands of uh, buildings in different countries, and it spends a lot of money on, on space. And so the, uh, we're looking to optimize the investment on that, um, on that space. And the program of New Ways of Working looks to um, affect the interaction between working environments, management practices and cultures, um, and IT tools. So the optimization of that interaction, which is what really creates the experience of work and, and to some extent creates the uh, conditions for performance improvement, uh, was the focus of, of, the, of that program of activity. And it included going on what we call learning expeditions to different countries to um, identify best practice in these areas and see what we can learn from things that have already happened in other places, both good and bad. And so we came up with a very ambitious series of uh, of actions. And actually, uh, sitting in the office as I am now, uh, we're in in a fairly advanced space where we uh, we're able to um, give the right tools to the people for the tasks that they have. Um, we're able to uh, encourage the right culture and uh, uh, management actions. Um, and we have a space that's very open, that's uh, a pleasure to work in, and, and which is used very efficiently, which I can go into in more detail um, if you like. But uh, so it's proved to be a very popular initiative and work one which has affected uh, performance and uh, 
spaces and IT tools uh, within a number of different countries. Thank you very much for taking us through um, these different elements because uh, it's, it's, I think, always really interesting to get an insight into how different organizations in different sectors are, are approaching this uh, topic of uh, bricks and bytes and, and brains and, and, you know, the new ways of working. So really, really appreciate that. I wanted to ask you one thing while you were speaking, because very often when we speak on the podcast or we talk to companies, it's if it's um, just white collar jobs or the service industry, it's quite easy then to uniformize these um, new ways of working across the board. But I would imagine that in a company like EDF Energy, where you have very, very different jobs and, and very different um, job requirements for being there on time. I, I would imagine from the engineers that have to be deployed uh, if there's something going wrong to the call center, to the offices. Um, was this something that was taken into consideration when this new way of, uh, of working was set up about how to accommodate the, the, you know, the working conditions of, of these different functions, these different roles? So, yeah, that is a, an issue that often comes up when talking about um, new ways of working is that uh, a lot of companies really are looking at, uh, at white-collar workers, and we do have a lot of white-collar workers, so that in itself is useful. But we, we're an industrial uh, group that uh, has people working in large call centers, data centers. It has people who are engineers who are working out in... Um, uh, in, in in the world at large. So we have a lot of different um, working conditions and um, types of employment. So from our point of view, it was very important that New Ways of Working address all of the people in our organization. And um, so one of the areas that we, we, we therefore looked at was a, a segmentation of employees. Now, market segmentation is very normal in marketing as you look to attract different customers and look to meet their needs, but we use the same approach in meeting the needs of our employees by segmenting them into different groups and uh, interviewing them to assess their their issues, their objectives, their uh, requirements. And so we were able to design something that makes sense to them. And so just as an example of that, I spent some time in a nuclear power station in Scotland, which uh, was a, an environment that had been designed in the 1960s and was very but was was not designed with uh, with new ways of working in mind let's say uh, and so we came up with a with a program whereby um, we could improve the the environment of the workers uh, and there are workers there of many different types and different um, different contracts so there's a lot of contractors who come in at different times for maintenance of the site for example and so we were able to look at how they interact with others and need to collaborate with others and so even just things like um, varying the uh, design of the site so that their um, space that they have for working and for, um, for, for their sort of leisure time in between shifts, we were able to uh, put teams close together uh, who needed to collaborate so that they could uh, have the uh, kind of serendipity of uh, having the opportunity to, uh, to see each other at different times and talk about issues uh, whereas previously the site had been designed in a way which prevented that from happening um, and equally give them access to IT tools which were 
uh, required for certain jobs. Um, uh, but uh, but where we, we were reduced wastage of downtime, of the duplication of, uh, of of those sort of tools, which have previously been uh, not, not been used terribly much. This is very very interesting. Um, and did you um, measure? Did you use some of these uh, KPIs to to measure uh, before and after? effect of, of the change to the work environment and, and to the way of working? Yes, yeah, so I think there are a number of uh, KPIs that we have used and which um, can be used to uh, measure the effectiveness before and after a program of new ways of working of this type. And so just to go through some of them, um, sort of the management practices and cultures and so on and uh, employee satisfaction metrics are relatively well known. One of the uh, favorites that I have in that area is the, the extent to which somebody would recommend to their friends or family uh, to have employment with the company. Is that, uh, is how likely is that, is, that they would recommend the company? Um, now, that's something that is a similar metric that uh, is used in marketing, uh, where the customers would recommend the product or service to their friends and family. That's proven in marketing to be a very valuable tool. And similarly, within um, HR and uh, uh, new ways of working, I think that's a, quite a powerful one because it's so easy to understand and it's also easy to see the difference before and after. Um, so that's a good one. Yeah, the NPS score, absolutely. The Net Promoter Score is, is a very, very, very powerful tool. Absolutely. And then looking at um, office space and uh, working space, um, is, is also uh, relatively easy to measure. So average occupancy in uh, offices in the EDF group has been around sort of 40%. So in, and there are various ways of measuring it, but uh, some of them are automatic and some are, require people to go around mm-hmm. counting people in an office. Um, but uh, it was around 40%, um, which um, is not surprising because people spend time in meetings People have holidays, you know, they have other activities. So uh, the people are only sitting at, at their desk for a maximum of 40% of the time. And we saw other offices where um, the occupancy was lower, 20 to 30%, which means that there's effectively 70 to 80% of wastage, if you look at it in that way. Now, through um, removing guaranteed uh, desk space and having... Um, having a, a level of desking that uh, is uh, is available for people at different times of the day and where you have IT tools that are appropriate for certain spaces um, and activities, it means that people are encouraged to move around to different areas according to their activity for the day. So if somebody comes in in the morning and thinks, okay, I'm, I'm going to be involved in this sort of activity today, so I'll go to this zone of the office building And so uh, as long as you're able to design the spaces to reflect the activities well, then it means that so the, the, uh, you don't need as much office space. So you have a saving of office space, which is measurable. And you're also able to then look at the level of occupancy in the building um, and try and get it towards 60 to 70%. Anything over 70% is probably too uh, densely occupied and can have a detrimental effect. But, um, but the saving of, uh, of office space is often around uh, 
which is a significant, uh, a significant saving. And in the first year, can be uh, that, that same money can be used to improve the space and to pay for the extra IT tools and so on. Um, and then on the IT side, uh, you can measure the usage per uh, piece of equipment um, and equally satisfaction and understanding and levels of training that people have on the IT tools at their disposal. And then there are ways of measuring, of course, the performance of different teams who have the requirement for greater IT investment within their activities. So I think all of this um, is, is quite measurable and um, the measurements are, are not complex. Thank you. Well, this was very, very interesting that you, you take us through all of these different ways of, of measuring um, the success and also the the business case, basically, for, for the new ways of working. Um, before we go to our last question, I wanted to ask you about um, your uh, specific efforts to increase diversity. Um, even on the Blue Lab uh, website, there is a very clear statement about how committed EDF Energy is to recruiting a diverse workforce. Maybe to those who are a little bit more uninitiated uh, on this issue, uh, why is uh, diversity such an important uh, uh, driver for you that, that it's such an explicit campaign and, and visualization really also on the website for inviting uh, diverse people to, to apply? And from our point of view, um, we've taken a strategic decision that diversity is very important for us. Um, so it's the right thing to do to encourage a diverse workforce. Um, I also, and I think my colleagues enjoy working in a diverse workforce, so it's very interesting to have people from different backgrounds and cultures uh, rather than having a, a culture where, where people are taken from the same group. So uh, when we recruit, we um, make a big effort to um, encourage uh, applications from people, whatever their um, gender um, ethnic background, education, and so on. Um, and so I'm working in a very international, very diverse environment. Um, now, we believe that that also helps our performance as a business, but we don't have currently uh, metrics that could prove that. So one of the things I would like to do, actually, is to work on a project which uh, does demonstrate that in a, in a clear and uh, measured way, which uh, I think um, I'm confident that we can do that. From our point of view, it's a strategic decision. Um, and it's just one area of, uh, that we're making a lot of uh, progress in is uh, people will be aware probably of the lack of uh, girls in STEM subjects, science, technology, engineering, mathematical subjects. Um, so typically it's uh, at the stage of uh, choosing a, an undergraduate degree, less girls choose those types of subjects. And that, then that's... Uh, filters through into even less uh, girls talking about um, engineering type of uh, employment. But uh, we have uh, made quite a lot of effort to uh, get involvement in the earlier ages at school and also then in colleges and universities to encourage girls to uh, get involved in our training programs and, uh, and to think uh, more positively about STEM-related subjects and the excellent careers that they then uh, are able to choose from later. Uh, that is uh, proving to be pretty successful. Um, it's a subject on which we have uh, dedicated a team of people at CDF Energy and equally a uh, team that we're working with uh, that are at a group level 
working in countries around the world and trying to use uh, the learnings from different countries to benefit uh, others. So, yeah, it's something that we're proud of, but uh, which, uh, we have, which we continue to uh, believe that we need to make a lot more progress in for the future. Well, thank you so much also for, for this detailed, uh, detailed explanation. Now, before we go to the last question, may I ask you, Richard, if you would um, share with listeners perhaps the Blue Lab website or where they can find out more about your work or, or even contact you? Uh, so the best, um, there are two, two options. Um, one is to email me at richard.burton at edfenergy.com. And the other would be to uh, Google EDF Energy Blue Lab, and you will find the website quite easily. And uh, that uh, talks about some of our initiatives. Of course, uh, the, the work that we're doing is also commercially sensitive, so it tends to talk about the things that we have launched rather than our, our current work. If you wanted to ask me any questions, then by all means, uh, send me an email. I'll be very pleased to, uh, to answer any questions. Well, going to the last question, um, which is always the same here on the Work Life Podcast, if I could ask you, Richard, to um, give one advice to a CEO of a company who is thinking about um, launching innovation projects um, or, or new ways of working in general, what is for you one key real insight that you would recommend to others? I suppose the most important thing is to... Uh, think about the objectives at the outset. Think about what it is you want to get from the innovation. Um, and if it is a new as a working type of project or a project to improve uh, the performance and the experience of work for employees, then I would suggest um, trying to focus on that um, structure that we mentioned earlier. So it's the interaction between the human side, the, the management culture and uh, practices, uh, the IT tools and the working environment, because uh, those three, when used together, are very powerful. Uh, and I think, um, as I explained earlier, um, they really are returns on investment that are available to companies from doing that. Perfect. Well, thank you so much uh, for your time. Really enjoyed this conversation, and I think our listeners also took away quite a lot of insight. And I wish you really the best of success in your future work. Thank you. Thank you very much. 